Good morning, friends. You've tuned into Faith Communications of Erie Christian Fellowship Church. We're delighted that you joined us today. Our hope is that today's message will help you to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. As we listen to today's message, keep in mind that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Now let's go right into today's broadcast. Good morning, church. Happy Easter. Happy Resurrection Sunday. Boy, we are excited. He is risen. He is risen. Amen. I just want to open us up in prayer. I want to give a couple of just quick announcements. Our kids are going to be with us this morning. If you have a child that uh, is nursery age, which is up to age three, the nursery is open and staffed, and you can uh, put your child in there. We've got some great volunteers in there today. Pastor Doug and Brandy are in there, and they're just going to bless and just have a great time with your kids. If you have a three, four, five-year-old, and they get a little restless at some point during service, we have something called a family room available this morning. And the family room is right down the hallway. If you go out here, turn right, and just go straight ahead, you will go right into the family room. The service will be playing live Uh, on Facebook Live so you won't miss anything. There's things for your kids to do there. There's toys and stuff and some seats for the parents to also enjoy the, still enjoy the service. So that's also available. Today is Easter Sunday. Our risen King. The tomb is empty. He is risen. And this morning, we are going to celebrate. We are going to celebrate like we haven't celebrated before. I started crying before I even opened my eyes this morning. And I just want everybody to be able to even partially comprehend and understand what He has done for you. Going to the cross. Bearing every burden. Bearing every sin. Every issue. And going to the grave. And then defeating death. And rising again in victory. So that you and I can have a relationship with God. So that you and I have an opportunity to live forever in eternity in heaven with Him. That you and I get to worship the risen King for all of eternity. He paid the price. He paid it all. By His stripes. By His stripes. We are healed. We are saved. And we can worship Him. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for today. We thank you that you are the risen King. And we turn our hearts to you. We worship you. We praise you. And we lift up your holy name. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand with me and worship. There's a picture that the Lord wants us to see this morning. And I'm going to read an essay. It's called, I am not the one on trial here. I am not the one on trial here, yet I stand in the great courtroom, 
Crimes have been committed and penalties must be paid. Satan and his kingdom of darkness have schemed and they have stolen. Premeditated, planned with strategy. The charges against him are red. Assault, attempted murder, grand theft, slander, kidnapping, false imprisonment, acts of terror, and the list goes on and on and on. I have been the target of the devil's scheming, his victim unaware, his sworn enemy. The Lord God sits as a righteous judge and hears my case. I speak of evidence, fear and terror, violence and pain, all lying in wait for me from even before my birth. I submit to the court snapshots of sorrow and of mourning, of addictions and of sabotage, a shroud of death tied tightly about my neck, a yoke of slavery. As I present my case, the devil spews his venom of lies and accusations. With mocking in his voice, he throws each bit of evidence back at me, laying the full blame at my own feet. My scars, my wounds, my tears, and my sorrow seem little evidence in the face of the facts that he presents to support his every accusation. For a moment, even I might be convinced that I am the guilty one, that I am responsible for every tear, every wound, and every broken piece, my choices, my lack, my weakness, that I deserve all that I have suffered. My enemy senses my doubt, and he draws up to his full height. He presents his final defense to the court, his final accusation of his innocence and my own guilt. He confidently proclaims, She loves not her God, but her heart is wicked and filled with hatred for even her own creator. He basks in this moment and lets his words settle like ash over the court. I lift up my eyes and I look to my righteous judge, my creator, my father. With this lie, that devil has pushed too far. And the ember of truth flickering within my soul sparks to a blazing wild fire. Throwing off the heaviness of discouragement, defeat, and condemnation, I begin to stand. As the devil continues on with his vile words, I point at him directly and with a voice bigger than my own, I cry, liar! Immediately, he ducks and he cowers. Immediately, he grows smaller in voice and in stature. As my voice echoes across the courtroom, the doors break open and my legal team arrives. With each step toward the bench, the defendant Satan shrinks smaller and his brightness has faded to the gray color of death. He begins to tremble with fear as his eyes catch sight of the great book. And the mediator who comes to argue for the prosecution. Jesus approaches the bench. All of heaven's angels, warriors and saints file in behind to watch the scene. They have seen it over and over, but they never tire of bearing witness. Without a word, Jesus lays the great book before the righteous judge. He steps back and stretches out his arms to show the only scars that matter. He speaks softly, though his words pierce every soul. Just three words. 
it is finished. The gavel comes down swift and sure. The verdict is pronounced. The defendant, the devil, Satan, guilty on all counts. The room erupts with cheers and shouts of victory. Shackled with chains, he is taken into custody and he must stand and hear the reparations to be paid. I will receive beauty for ashes, freedom for bondage, wealth for poverty, health for sickness, life for death, peace for trouble, joy for mourning, and on and on and on it reads. It is the largest settlement allowed by grace, and it is complete and lacking nothing. The righteous judge has ruled in my favor and my torment is ended. He declares that mercy and goodness will follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I am robed in righteousness. I am more than victorious. I am alive in Christ and Christ is alive in me. I am not the one on trial here. He is risen. Christ the Lord has risen indeed. Thank you, Jesus. Worship you, Jesus. Worship you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Worship you. Praise you, Lord. We are going to continue to worship the Lord by taking communion. If you guys want to have a seat, ushers. Please distribute the communion elements. What a beautiful picture. What a beautiful picture of what He has done for us. No longer can the lies of the enemy take root in our heart. They must go in Jesus' name. He has paid the price. The full and complete price. The total package. He has paid it all. Communion is the believer's celebration of the Lord's Supper and His sacrifice on our behalf. Romans 5.17 says, For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Ushers, you may wait on the people. The one, Jesus Christ. He left heaven came to this earth for you and for me. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, it says, Surely He has borne our griefs. He took those griefs. He bore them for you and for me. And He carried our sorrows. Church, life can have sorrows in it. We all know that. But He wants to carry them for you. Yet we esteemed Him stricken, smitten by God, 
and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement for our peace was upon him. Our peace upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. By his stripes, we are healed. He paid the price, the ultimate price, laying down his life for you and for me. Because of what Jesus did, we can stop condemning ourselves. We have the power to defeat the enemy in every area of our life. We have the abundance of grace, of righteousness, of liberty, of transforming of our minds. We have access to everlasting life. We now have the right to use the name of Jesus to take authority in every situation and to live victoriously on this earth. This gift is free. All we have to do is believe and receive. This gift was paid in full. Paid in full with more pain and agony than you or I could ever imagine. But he did it. He did it. He did it for you. He did it for me. The Bible says because he loved us so much that he sent his son. Loves us so much that he came down and sacrificed for us. He gave it all so that we can live. He gave it all so that we can live. So this morning I want to take communion and it's a time to remember what he has done. Let's just take a minute and remember that. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Your blood shed to cover our sins, to cover our failings, to cover every mistake, to give us everlasting life. We're so grateful. Father, as we begin to prepare to take these elements, Lord, that each and every one of us in our heart will reflect on what you have done for us. As we take these elements, as we take the representation of your body and your blood, what you did for us, may we have greater revelation, greater insight, greater illumination to what this truly means in our lives. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, it says, For I have received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took the bread, and when he had, he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, 
This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us partake. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this, and as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you will proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us partake. Church, we're going to continue to worship. Because as the lyrics of a song that we're going to sing at the end of church today says, Then came the morning that sealed the promise. Your buried body began to breathe. And out of the silence, the roaring lion declared, The grave has no claim on me. Let us stand and worship our risen King. He is risen. He is risen. Oh my goodness. I am so thankful that I watched that video multiple times before having to get up here and preach the gospel message to you. Because I'm telling you, church, when I first saw that video, I mean, I was bawling. We were in our family. I was just bawling. Because it means everything. It is everything. It's the only thing that matters. He is risen. He is risen. And we get to worship Him and celebrate this amazing, wonderful truth. He is risen. Praise God. Man, what a, what a wonderful video. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank You for this morning. We thank You for this Easter Sunday. Father, we thank you that you sent your son to die on the cross for our sins. And we thank you that on that third day, you breathed life back into him. And he rose from that grave and defeated death for you, for me, for everyone that's here. Father, I thank you for it. And Father, this morning... As we hear your word, what you have for us this morning, I pray that our eyes will be open, that our ears will hear, that we'll have a fresh revelation of who you are and what you've done. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. We are right in the middle of a series, and it's called Death to Life. And we kicked this series off a couple weeks ago with an amazing time of water baptism. And last week we had Palm Sunday. And church, I am telling you, we had such a miracle time of prayer and of ministering. And what Jesus has done for us was so evident. I'm telling you, this place was filled with people who were getting prayer. And I have one testimony, I know there were more, but I have one testimony that I want to share with you of something that happened last Sunday on Palm Sunday. 
And what we did last Sunday is we talked about what Jesus did, the triumphant entry, the palm trees, what they represented on the donkey with being peace, the palm trees representing victory. And we looked at Jesus' life. And what did he do? What was the very next thing that Jesus did after coming into Jerusalem? He went into the church and he started flipping tables over. This is, this is Jesus. This is Jesus. He came in and said, no, 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 no. My house will be called a house of prayer. And he, what he was telling us is it is time to remove every obstacle in our life that is not honoring and worshiping him. And he said, remove it, get it out. And then the very next thing he did is he started praying for people and the sick were healed. And we had a very similar time last Sunday. And one of the testimonies that came out of it says this. It says, I came to church with pain in my right side and nausea. And when I went up for prayer, the pain was gone immediately. And the nausea stopped immediately. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Church, I don't know if you're here for the first time. I want to welcome you here. Maybe you've been here before. Maybe you haven't been here in a while. But I will tell you something, that this church is being marked by miracles. This church is being marked by miracles. And the reason why Jesus wants to do these miracles is He wants to arrest the attention of the unbeliever. He wants to bring those who have walked far away from Him and say, it's time to come home. I am a miracle-working God. I am a good God. I am a faithful Father, and I want you to know it. And He is doing miracle after miracle after miracle. There's two miracles. There's a miracle sitting right here. Praise God. And I'm telling you what, church, week after week after week, we are seeing miracles happen. I'm talking, honest-to-goodness, miracles. Medically proven miracles. This isn't just like, well, I felt, I felt a little bit better. No, 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 no. I used to not be able to move my elbow, and now I can move it completely. These type of miracles. Miracles in people's lives. Financial miracles. I'm not talking just about healing. I'm talking about financial miracles. Every bit of these things that we're talking about was paid for on the cross. On the cross, it was paid in full. And then when he rose from the grave, he defeated death, he defeated sickness, he defeated poverty, he defeated all of it. And he rose from the grave, and as soon as God breathed life back into him, all of this becomes available to us. And this is the message of what Jesus wants to share with this world. You are no longer bound by slavery. You no longer have to have that yoke of slavery on you. You can be free today. You can be free today. You know, everybody, probably everybody has seen in the news that the Notre Dame Cathedral burned up pretty bad. Now, they didn't lose everything, and I didn't follow it all that much. But I was struck by a couple of the photos and a few of the interviews. And it's a very, very sad thing of how grieved people were. How grieved they were that something 800 years old was destroyed. And they were so sad. And it is a very sad thing. And I noticed there were people crying, and they were praying, and they were upset. Well, church, I'm here to tell you this morning that that does not get me upset. 
Because the Bible clearly states that in the end, everything that we see is going to burn and come to the ground anyway. So the only thing that matters, the only thing that makes me upset, the only thing that should get us worked up into a frenzy and be upset is when one person, just even one person, dies without knowing Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That should make us upset. That should make us gather together in prayer services. That should make us go out and have shed some tears when we go out. If somebody interviews me and say, are you concerned about the cathedral? Yes, it's very sad. I'm glad that the, the crown of thorns were saved, whatever, that's great. But I want to know that each and every person has an opportunity to make Jesus Christ their Lord and their Savior so they can walk in eternity with Him. That's what matters. All of this is going to burn up anyway. This beautiful sanctuary, it's going to burn up at the end. Revelation tells us it's all going to come down and He's going to build a new kingdom. But what matters, what's most important is that you and I have to make a decision. We have to make a decision and say, who is this Jesus? And what am I going to do with Jesus? We have to make a decision. You see, this Bible right here, is the Word of God. It is truth. Every bit of it is truth. And what this Bible is, is the ultimate story of redemption for mankind. It is the ultimate story of redemption for mankind. It starts in the beginning of the book with God creating the heavens and the earth. And then we quickly see that he makes man and woman, and we fail. We failed. He gave us free will to choose. We have the free will to choose life or death. Life or death is an option that we get to choose. And the Bible continues to go on, and they... The people needed a Savior. The people needed a Savior. And He brought along Abraham. And I'm telling you that the enemy that we've been talking about, Satan, says, oh, I wonder if this is the one. I wonder if this is the Savior that's going to come and save the world. And we quickly find out that no, it was not Abraham. And then comes along someone named Joseph. He does great things. He becomes second in charge in Egypt. He saves the world because a famine was coming and the Lord spoke to him. Was he the Savior? Was he the one that was going to redeem God's people for all eternity? No. Then came along a man named Moses. Many of you probably watched the Ten Commandments this weekend or are planning to. Seems to be a holiday tradition. Was it Moses? Was it was Moses the one that would be the Savior? Yes, he took them out of Egypt. He took them out of slavery. But he wandered around. No, it wasn't Moses. What about Elijah? Calling down fire from heaven. Was he the Savior? No. And then prophet after prophet after prophet recorded in this book. Church, from different countries, at different times, in different languages, all pointing to one person. 
one person, hundreds of prophecies that would be fulfilled in one person. The statistical odds of this happening are so big, so incredible, that you can't even wrap your head around it. If I put a slide up there, it would be 1 times 10 to the so many zeros, it would go off of the screen. You couldn't count them. How is it possible that this could happen? And then there was a time of silence. For a couple hundred years, there wasn't anything written down. And then on that Christmas morning, a baby was born. Church, a baby was born that through his life fulfilled every single one of the prophecies that were written in this book. I mean every single one that was written in this book, he fulfilled it. It's not possible, but God. But you say, how can that happen? But God. God so loved the world that he knew he had to send a Savior. And he walked a sinless life. A sinless life. And no matter what the enemy tried to do, whatever temptation he tried to bring on, this Jesus, he would not fail. He would not fail. And I'm telling you, the enemy starts saying, "Uh uh-oh, is this the one? Is this the one? Is this the Savior? Is this the one that is going to defeat me? And then, after his ministry, they put him on a cross. And Jesus died for you and for me. He died on that cross. And he went to hell. And for three days, I'm telling you, I feel like I wasn't there, obviously. The Bible doesn't talk a whole lot about it. But I'm telling you, I think Satan was rejoicing. Like, oh, I got him. We got him. We did it. Look what we did. We got him down here. Oh, yes. You think God's so smart. He's going to have some great plan of redemption for his people. No, 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 no. I took him out as well. And then came Easter Sunday. (laughs) Oh, and then came Easter Sunday. And the enemy is like, whoa, 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 what? What is God? No, this can't be true. Yes, it is true. And life was breathed back into Jesus' body and his spirit rose out of the grave, came back to life, and for all of eternity, we can make a decision and make him our Lord and our Savior. Oh my goodness. And then the Bible goes on, and there's gospel, the four gospels are written, and these are eyewitness accounts that Jesus rose from the grave. Every gospel talks about it. They saw him with their own eyes. He defeated death. They've done scientific evidence. Well, was he really dead? Did Did he really die? And they look at what was written. In this Bible, about how he died, the death that he had, when the spear was put in him, and the water and the blood coming out, they have absolute evidence he was dead. Scientific evidence. You want science to help? Science is proving the Bible also. 
There are other books written around the same time that prove the Bible also. The Word of God doesn't change. The Word of God is truth. And these disciples, they saw Jesus rise from the dead. They saw Him walking around. And now what? Oh my goodness. So if this is true, if all of this is true, and this was God's plan for redemption, and He defeated the grave, and now He lives again, what did Jesus come and say? He said, I came to seek and save the lost. These are Jesus' words. I came to seek and save the lost. He said that no man can come to the Father except through me. Uh Uh-oh. We have to make a decision. We have to decide. Who is this Jesus? If all of this is true, it is. It is the most important thing you will ever hear in your life. It is the most important news you will ever hear in your life. You will not be able to turn on any news channel. You will not be able to go on to Twitter. You will not be going to Facebook or anywhere else and see any news that is more important than what I'm telling you this morning. There is no news more important than this. He defeated the grave. He rose again. People saw him. 500 people saw him. This is not like one witness. Oh, yeah. One person, one witness. I did see something on Facebook, and I'm going to share it with you. Actually, I didn't see it. My wife saw it for me. Here we go. You may have seen this. This is by Charles uh, Colson. I know the resurrection is a fact. And Watergate proved it to me. If you don't know what Watergate is, that's fine, but just listen. How? Because 12 men testified they had seen Jesus raised from the dead. Then they proclaimed that truth for 40 years, never once denying it. Every one of those 12 were beaten, tortured, stoned, and put in prison. They would not have endured that unless it was true. The scandal of Watergate embroiled 12 of the most powerful men in the world. They couldn't keep the lie for three weeks. Three weeks. You're telling me that 12 apostles could keep a lie for 40 years through all that torture? Absolutely impossible. It is truth. What Jesus did for us is true. So we have to make a choice. I want to read a portion of scripture from Mark Mark chapter 16 and starting in verse 2. This is what the, the Bible clearly says. That each and every one of us is a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a a body. Your body today is one step closer to death than it was yesterday. This This is true. And I understand that that is a bearer of bad news. But I have some good news that goes along with this, because what I initially said is that you are a spirit... Who you really are is a spirit, and who you really are is going to live for eternity. And you have an opportunity and a choice to say, where do I want to choose to live the rest of my spirit being life? Do you want to live it in heaven, or do you want to live in hell? It's a choice we have to make. In Mark 16, verse 2 says, Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, They came to the tomb, 
when the sun had risen. And they said among themselves, who will roll away this stone from the door of the tomb for us? But when they looked up and they saw the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large, and entering tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, don't be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. The tomb was empty. He is risen. He said, he is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you. He is going before you. And in this case, he was going before them to Galilee so that people could see him. But church, I'm telling you this morning that Jesus has gone before you. He has gone before you and he's gone to a place called heaven and he sits at the right hand of the Father and he is waiting for you and for me. He is waiting for you and for me. The Bible says in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every single one of us. But it says in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin is death. Each and every one of us have sinned. Each and every one of us have had sin that leads to death. That sin which leads to death leads to a place called hell. And what hell is, is it's eternal separation from God. It's a place that nobody wants to go. If you truly understood what hell was like, and you read the Bible and start to look at it, it is a place where you do not want to go. The Bible says that a price must be paid. A sacrifice must be made. Not of our own sacrifice. You understand, church, that you cannot do enough good works to get you into heaven. You cannot do it. I don't care how kind you are to your kids. I don't care how much money you give to the church. I don't care what you do. There is no measuring stick. You cannot work your way up on any measuring stick to say, you know what, I've now made it. I've now done enough good things to make it into heaven. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible doesn't say that. It is not about good works. It's about one work. His work on that cross and what He did for you and for me. The rest of Romans 6.23 says this, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's a gift. Church, it's a gift that is being made available to you on this Easter morning. It's a gift. If someone offered you the most beautiful, wonderful gift and said it is free of charge, you do not have to pay me back, just take this gift, what would you do? You would take it. Oh, no, 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 I'm not worthy. No, no. I have done this for you. A gift that is given. In John 3, 14 through 16 says, Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into this world to condemn us. He didn't send Jesus to condemn us. 
He sent him into this world so that we might be saved. Worship team, I ask if you can come back up. This is a free gift. The gift of what Jesus has done is a free gift. Anybody ever been invited to a wedding? How many people have been invited for a, to a wedding? Let me just see. Okay. Everybody's been invited to a wedding. And when you get invited to the reception, they give you a little card that you have to send back. And what does it say on there? It says RSVP. RSVP. Do you know what that means? Please respond. It means please respond. This morning I'm giving you an opportunity to respond. To respond to what you just heard. To respond to the fact, to the truth that this Word of God all points to His love for us. That this Word points to Jesus Christ who came to this earth and died for our sins. So we have to make a decision. In Joel 3.14 it says, Multitudes, multitudes, in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in this valley of decision. We have to make a decision. Say, what must I do? In Romans 10 it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. RSVP this morning. We're going to go into this final song of our time together. And as soon as we start singing this song, I'm asking that if any one of you here has said, you know what? I have never made Jesus my Savior. I've never, I've heard this message before. I've, I, I know about it, but I've never decided. I've never responded. I never RSVP'd to the invitation. Today is your day. We're going to start singing a song. Everyone's going to stand up and start worshiping. No one's going to be looking around or caring. I want you to come right here. I want you to be bold. I want you to get out of your seat today and come up here and make a decision for Jesus Christ. To make Him your Savior. Don't leave here without knowing that if something happened to you this afternoon, that you will be unsure of where you are going. Be sure. And you can be sure this morning. We will pray for you right up here. And I'm also going to ask a second question. If you are here this morning and you have already made that declaration as Jesus Christ as your Savior, but for whatever reason, 
You are not walking with Him as your Lord. Walking with Him every day, saying, I need help. I may have made that decision, but I just can't go any longer. I need someone to pray with me. I need someone to touch and agree with me in prayer that I want to rededicate my life to Him. I am tired of walking through this life alone. I want to make Him my Lord. So if that's you, if this morning that is you on either account, that you need to make Him your Savior or your Lord, I want you to come up here as soon as we start singing. And we're going to pray for you. Don't be shy. Be bold. Come up here this morning. We will pray for you. Your life will be changed. You will, have a, you will have a conscious knowledge of who Jesus Christ is and your life will never, ever be the same. Never be the same. Don't wait another moment longer. Make today your day. Make Easter Sunday, 2019, the day that you made a decision for Jesus Christ. Make that be today. Church, our living hope, our living hope, Jesus Christ. I know nobody came up here, and that is okay. But I know that there's at least two people here that need to come see me after church here. I don't know who you are, and it's okay you didn't come up before, but I implore you before you leave this morning, come see me. Because the Lord wants to do a work in your life. I will be waiting right up here. Don't leave here without getting prayer. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for Easter Sunday. We thank you for Resurrection Day. We thank you that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we commit the rest of this day to you. As we are a witness to our family members, as we get to love on our friends and our family. May our testimonies bubble out, bubble up out of us. Let us share the good news of the faithfulness of our God. And Father, we worship you and we thank you for this wonderful, beautiful day. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed. Have a wonderful Easter. Thank you for being a part of today's Faith Communications broadcast of Erie Christian Fellowship Church. If you do not currently have a church home, you are invited to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock. Erie Christian Fellowship is located at 5900 Saratania Road, directly across from the Walnut Creek Middle School. You'll find us on the web at www.ecfchurch.org where you may sign up to receive our monthly Faith Communications newsletter. Again, thanks for joining us today. And always remember 2 Corinthians 5-7 that declares, For we walk by faith, not by sight.